I don't talk much about passive-aggressive people on here because I feel like the people who complain the most about passive-aggressive people often are the most passive-aggressive people. It seems like to acknowledge it <laughs> puts you in that realm. But it is something you have to deal with all the time. And, you know, the Pacific Northwest where I live, it's always been known for being a little more passive-aggressive. People aren't as outwardly friendly but they're not as out, outwardly antagonistic either as other parts of the country. It's not like New York where it's like you know, you're going to know if somebody's upset with you. And even if they're not upset with you, they might still talk to you like they are. But the Pacific Northwest, you know, it's, it's known for being very non-confrontational. But there's just sort of this like low-grade simmer. And that's how a lot of people interact. Or like, I can think of very few confrontations in my life. Like, witnessing them or being part of them. Confrontations just don't happen here that often. But there's a lot of passive-aggressive behavior. And, you know, it, it, it's funny that the term gaslighting is so popular. And it's kind of, I think it's it's kind of over, too. Because that was a phrase that the left picked up, that feminism picked up to explain a certain way that men have treated women. A way that men have kind of... Uh, I mean, what it is, it's passive aggression is what they're describing. You know, they're saying that it's like when somebody does something to fuck with you, but there's enough room for plausible deniability, and so that you do not... Basically, like, it's like fucking with somebody but with a certain amount of plausible deni deniability so that you can then deny it and then treat that person like they're the one fucking with you or that there's something wrong with them. That's like what they're getting at. Like, like when, when feminists first started talking about gaslighting, that's what they were referring to. It's a passive-aggressive behavior. But then it, it came to just mean lying. The way it was used after that was just anytime somebody lies... Someone's like, oh, look, it's gaslighting. And it's like, no, it's just lying. The idea behind gaslighting referred to a very specific sort of scenario where somebody does something to fuck with somebody. There is room for them to deny it. And they then deflect it back on the person saying it as if that person's crazy. And that's something people do. I mean, I don't think it's limited to men and women. It was framed, you know, men, of course, do that to women. But it was framed as kind of a phenomenon that only happens between men and women, when the reality is people are doing that to each other all the time, and that's what passive aggression is. And you could see where the, like, when the right wing started saying, no, you guys, wanna, you guys are always saying we gaslight you. Well, you're gaslighting us now. That's become a big Republican thing is to be like, I mean, Republicans use it now more than liberals. And there's a good rule about that, which is like when your enemy stops using a phrase, you should stop using it too. Somebody else said that, and I thought that that made sense to me. Like, if you're a Republican and you're sick of liberals talking about gaslighting all the time, now that liberals don't really use gaslight as much, like you should stop using it to make fun of them. You should stop using that as one of your points. But we've seen now where the right wing seems to bring up gaslighting more than anybody. And it's like, they're gaslighting us. And it's like, no, you're, you're still just talking about lying. At some point, gaslighting just became a way to say that somebody was lying or hypocritical. Hypocritical liars. But really, like what it was initially referring to, and this is the problem that I've talked about on here before with catchphrases and buzzwords. It's that they're initially... Initially, a catchphrase or buzzword is a very specific term. It's a term that refers to a very specific situation. And when you hear this buzzword, you go, oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's convenient. Instead of having to explain this in a paragraph, now I can just use this new word or this new phrase and people will know what I mean. But people love a new buzzword so much that they then start looking for opportunities to use it even when, it doesn't, even when it's not relevant. So like somebody was like, oh, gaslighting that I totally know what that means. It's when somebody fucks with you, denies it, 
and tries to make it out like you're crazy. And even when you take away like men and women and that dynamic, it's like that's something that everybody can relate to. And everybody's been in situations where someone's done that to them. And so you're like gaslighting. Okay, that makes sense. But then you get into this idea where it's like, oh, that's a new word. That's a great word. And then you start looking for opportunities to use it in other situations. Like when someone just is lying. Like someone lies to you and you're like, oh, you're gaslighting me. It's like, no, that's just lying. It's just good old-fashioned lying. Don't forget about the classics. Lying. But eventually that buzzword, it gets so overused and so misapplied that it loses all of its meaning. And uh, we can't forget, though, like where it all comes from. Like Gaslighting just refers to passive aggression because that's what passive aggression is. It's something you can't confront. Like This is what I've learned with people who have who are habitually passive aggressive. Like if someone's just in it, cause that's a thing too. Everybody's passive aggressive. Like if you're in a bad mood, there's a good chance that's going to manifest in a passive aggressive way. Like when I'm with somebody and I'm in a bad mood, I'll have this tendency to like shut down everything they say or disregard it. They'll make a suggestion and I'm like, eh, Like, I will make pass, like, it's just, it's like when you're hungry or you're tired or you're just in a bad mood, you're going to behave passive aggressively. And so if somebody is acting that way to you, it doesn't mean they're habitually passive aggressive. Like, it could just be a bad day and they feel like shit. But there are some people, that's why you give people the benefit of the doubt, though, because there are some people that you start to notice a pattern. You start to notice that this is their M.O., And it can be so much worse than, uh, you know, it can be so much worse to deal with a passive aggressive person than somebody who gets occasionally angry. Because I appreciate that about people. I appreciate people who don't, because that's the thing, we, we have this idea that like you're either explosively, violently angry or you're passive aggressive. When it's like there are people who will let you know they're angry without it being explosive and scary. And I really appreciate people who are able to do that. People who are able to admit that they're angry or pissed off about something, but to do it in a way that isn't an outburst, that isn't aggressive. To be angry but not aggressive and to just simply let somebody know, oh yeah, I don't like that or I'm pissed about that. Very few people are capable of doing that though. Very few people are capable of letting you know they're angry in a constructive way without it either being an uncontrolled outburst or some sort of passive aggressive standoff. You know, very few people are capable of that because it actually requires more discipline than anything. Because you think about like passive aggressive, that's very undisciplined. Passive aggression is very undisciplined. It's basically saying like, I'm angry or I'm resentful with this person or this situation, but I'm going to pretend I'm not. But guess what? That's going to color everything you do. Whether you you even intend it or not, that aggression is going to come out in these passive ways. You're trying to repress something that is real to you, which is the fact that you're kind of pissed at this person. But by denying it, you end up acting that out in these more subliminal ways. But then nobody wants to deal with somebody who's flying off the handle, who's unpredictable. I mean, that's not disciplined. We all know that like somebody who's just very angry and will yell and scream and threaten people who just loses themselves in emotion. Like we know that that person has no discipline either. So to me, like the most disciplined approach to anger is to be like, oh, I I'm angry. And, you know, it's not always appropriate to let somebody know you're angry with them. But if it's important enough, I feel like just letting somebody know that you're a little bit pissed but to have it reined in. Like, I'm not pissed in a way that's going to ruin our friendship. I'm not pissed in a way that's going to escalate. I'm just a little bit pissed, and I'm going to be honest about it. It's hard to do that without going too far one way or the other. But why passive aggression is like gaslighting is that there's always this plausible deniability to it. And if it is somebody who is habitually passive-aggressive, they're really good at that part. 
they're really good at when you say something like, oh, hey, did you, are you trying to suggest something? Or you know, when you just try to bring it to a head, they'll go, they'll turn it around on you. They'll turn it around as if you were the one instigating. Like passive aggression leads you along, but it waits for you to fire the first shot so that they can say, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? I wasn't doing anything. And that's why it's it's better to see the pattern develop because you don't know if you're just dealing with somebody when they're grumpy on a bad day. But when you notice the pattern in someone's behavior and, you know, what got me thinking about all this is a guy I know who I've realized recently is very passive aggressive. I've known this guy for quite a while, many years. I work with him on a lot of stuff. Uh, he's a researcher. Great guy. I consider him a friend, but I've... Getting to know him, I've realized, oh, there's a lot of passive-aggressive stuff here. And most of it's not enough to, like, call it out. But you start to realize you're not just dealing with somebody on a bad day. This is kind of how they operate. And they're non-confrontational. But you just notice they do little things. And I I could give specific examples, but it's something that you learn about a person through patterns. And I always give people the benefit of the doubt. And I've, I've done it with this guy where I noticed a couple things and I said to myself, huh, you know, my, uh, my sense is tingling. Because, I mean, I, I can smell negativity. I can smell resentment from far away. I think I'm good at that. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm good at one thing, I think that I can smell resentment, negativity. I've made this joke a bunch on here about how, like, I have hate dar. You know, you hear about gaydar, where people can tell if you're gay or not. Well, like, I have hate dar, which means I can tell if what you're doing and what you're expressing is coming from a hateful place or not. And it's not the capital H hatred that we talk about today, where it only refers to, like, hate groups or hate speech. I'm talking about the core emotion, the core, I don't even know what to call it. Just the core element. I mean, it's kind of an element. I'm very good at at noticing that when it's there. And resentment, of course, is, you know, that's what fuels hatred. Because hatred is not anger. What's so interesting about hatred is it simmers. It's it's actually kind of cool. It's kind of this cold, you know, it's, it doesn't come out in the form of explosive anger. I don't think of hate hate as very angry at all. Like sometimes people correlate those. Like sometimes people see very outwardly angry behavior and, and they're like, that's hatred. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think hatred is far more subtle. I think it's far quieter than that. I think it's more insidious than that. And when you sense that it's there though, I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. You know, it's, it's, I'm not going to say that passive aggression is inherently hateful, but it is more like hate in that sense, where it's just kind of this slow burn in the background. It doesn't rear its head, but when it does, it makes you go, what the fuck? You know, when it does, it's a problem. And, uh, it, but it's, it's this sort of, it's like, it's like a, a program running in the background. And you think about anger, like true hot blooded anger. And that that's at the front. That's on the screen. That's what you're seeing on the screen as it's happening. But hate, it's kind of like a program. It's like a process running in the background. You can't even see it a lot of the time but it has way more influence. It colors way more of someone's perception than just a moment of anger does. And those two things can go hand in hand. I'm not saying those are mutually exclusive. Anger and hatred, of course they go together. But passive aggression is more like hatred. Again, I'm not saying that passive aggression is always hateful. It can be. I'm not saying passive aggression itself is just 100% hateful no matter what, but it does operate more like hatred and that it's kind of like this process running in the background. You can't always see it, but when you detect it, you're like, I know what that is. 
you know, I know what that is. And uh, the thing is, too, if you're being passive aggressive, you don't even realize you're doing it some of the time. It's like something registers with you and you hold on to it and then it just kind of starts going. Like with this person I know who I've realized is somewhat passive aggressive and I'm not looking, I like this guy. I'm not looking to talk shit here. You know, he doesn't listen to this or anything, but you know, I'm not, I'm not looking to talk shit about the guy, but I kind of know where it all started. It started over a minor disagreement a few months ago. We had a minor disagreement. It, nobody was even wrong. Nobody was wrong. Some new information came to light that kind of put some older information in a different context. This guy, he had published some information. He, pub- he had made a conclusion basically some years back, and he published that information. Now, this new information... It doesn't discount what he did, but it it puts it in a new light. It definitely adds kind of some skepticism and some other considerations. And we talked about it a few months ago. And my my point of view was, doesn't this kind of put it put that old information in a new context? And he said no. He didn't even want to discuss it. And I think it would have gone much differently if he hadn't published this information under his name years ago. But I quickly realized that this was just going to be a battle of ego where like I wasn't even trying to say he was wrong. I was just trying to say, doesn't this new information cast the old information in a different light? Doesn't it at least make you reconsider some things? And when I was just shut down for even saying that, not even agreeing or disagreeing, just doesn't this kind of open the topic back up? When I was shut down for that, I realized it was kind of a battle of ego and it didn't go on. You know, I moved on. I realized it's not worth arguing about. But since then, I just, I've started to notice little things here and there. Like devil's advocacy where it's totally unnecessary. Because I like, you know, I'm a devil's advocate about some things. I think being a devil's advocate is how you kind of hold people's feet to the fire. Like even when you agree with somebody, being a devil's advocate to them strengthens their argument. You know, I think it's good when someone's a devil's advocate to you. I think the best is when you can play devil's advocate in your own head and challenge your own ideas about things. So I have no issue with being a devil's advocate, with devil's advocacy. But sometimes you start to notice that someone's doing that about everything you say. Sometimes you notice that it's not that this person is just playing devil's advocate some of the time for the sake of debate, but you start to realize they're doing that about everything. And you run into that in your personal relationships. Like if you have a significant other, sometimes you'll realize, especially when a relationship is starting to go south, when, the, when, a, when a romantic relationship is starting to go south, you'll notice that you might do this to them and they're probably doing it to you where you kind of play devil's advocate to everything your girlfriend says. Like she'll say something and you, you like counter it or naysay it for no reason. And they do that to you. And it's very passive aggressive and it's not something you can really have a fight about. But you start to notice they, they're doing it to you and you're doing it to them. And, uh, you know, it's not just playing devil's advocate about certain things some of the time. It's like when you start to notice that somebody's doing that about everything, which means they're probably just trying to, I mean, they're basically trying to be a, uh, (laughs) they're trying to like play devil's advocate to your entire existence and everything you think. And I wouldn't say it's, it's that extreme with this guy, but I started to notice that, like it seemed like everything was getting pushed back. Everything was getting some kind of counter argument. And I was like, that's a little weird. And I also started to realize that this guy was changing the bracelet to fit the jewel where he thought he found a jewel. It turns out that jewel didn't fit or didn't fit the way he wanted it to. So he started changing the bracelet. And that's where kind of the devil's advocacy stuff comes in, where it was like he started changing his entire foundation to fit this one thing. Like I realized at one point that like a lot of this revolved around that one disagreement we had prior. 
even if we weren't talking about that, I realized that it all kind of went back to that. And that sounds like some kind of psych 101 thing, but I think it's true. And since then, like the, the passive aggressive, aggressive behavior has escalated where it's clear to me this person is being passive aggressive. And uh, what's fun about it, though, is one, like it doesn't change my opinion. I like this guy. He's a friend of mine. It doesn't change my opinion of him, but it's definitely you realize, okay, this is this is part of their MO. You don't always see that right away. I've known this guy for years, but you don't know how somebody is until you see them in a moment of disagreement, or you don't really know how somebody is until you see how they react to different situations and circumstances. And it might not say something about their entire character. Going back to romantic relationships, it's what you see where it's like, we've been dating for three months and everything's going swell. But you don't know how things are going to go until you have your first fight or disagreement. Like, oh, yeah, you're, you're in, I mean, they call that the honeymoon period for a reason. It's true with friendships as well. Like, just a, a friendship, like you hang out, you have a good time. You don't really know what this person's all about until you're put in a stressful situation, until you have a disagreement, until some kind of problem arises. With this friend of mine who's a researcher, we've agreed on most things, like 99% of things we've agreed on. But when something that we disagreed on came up, even though it wasn't a very serious disagreement, you see a different side of someone come out of that. Not that it's a horrible side, but it's just you see a different side of them. You know, it happens at work where, you know, you can think that somebody's the best boss in the world. You can think that somebody's the best coworker in the world. When things are going smoothly, it, it's nothing but fun. Like they help me, I help them. They have a good attitude. But when the shit hits the fan, you can see a completely different side of your coworkers or your boss. I had that experience at a job where my boss told me to do something and I did it. They explicitly told me to do something and I did it. It turned out we weren't supposed to do that. And my boss's boss was really upset. And was like, oh, God, we, I didn't want you to do that. And my boss just threw me under the bus. Just said, oh, Eric did it. And I spoke up. I said, I was told to do it. And fortunately, my boss's boss knew that and was like, yeah, you know, don't, don't throw him under the bus. But, you know, I really liked my boss. Like, I'm not saying this to be like, this boss sucked. This boss was great. They were great really nice person, really awesome to me. But I, I learned something about that, them in that moment where they were scared. This person was really scared. And uh, panicked. When their boss was breathing down their neck, they panicked and they blamed me. And fortunately, the boss's boss knew that I didn't make the decision to do that on my own, that I was instructed to do it. And the, the boss's boss had a private meeting with me where he told me that. He's like, you know, I, I'm i really sorry you got thrown under the bus. Like, I know that you were just following orders, so there's no problem. But it could have gone, you know, the thing is, if, if the boss's boss, the BB, didn't know the lay of the land, they might have just been like, oh, he did it? Okay, well, he's in trouble. Fortunately, the boss's boss knew that I didn't do it on my own and knew that I got thrown under the bus. But it's a good example where like 99.9% of the time, my boss was, you couldn't ask for a better boss. But until you were in that situation where panic set in, just panic, not even, not even malevolence or anything horrible, just panic. But you, panic is a big reason why people do things. Panic is why people do things they otherwise wouldn't do. But, uh, you know, it's true for all your relationships, though. It's true for all sets of circumstances where it's like you don't really know the dynamic until you're faced with a disagreement or just some something, some kind of issue. 
and with my researcher friend, you know, it's like we've we've gotten along and agreed on most things for so long. But then it's like this one little disagreement came up. And even though it was small, I could just tell that it was significant. And since then, I've noticed this undercurrent. Not contempt, not hatred, just an undercurrent of passive aggression. Where more often than not, that's coming out. And today, there was an example of that. First thing I saw today, I checked my email, and what I saw was very passive-aggressive, relating to another thing that happened the other day. And I've been, thing is, I haven't played into it. Basically, like, this person asked for information on something, I gave it to them. This has happened several times over the last couple of months, where I gave them information, they acted like they didn't get it and when I said oh I gave it to you they dismissed the information and uh, it happened a couple times and I was like it's a little weird and then it came up again came up in the last few days and it pissed me off the other day and then I woke up today and there was yet another example and while I didn't say anything before this time I was like I feel like I got to say something, but I didn't because nothing good will come of that. Nothing good will come of it because as I was saying, when someone is acting that way, you calling them out or you like bringing it to the, to the forefront, they will just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know what you're talking about. They'll gaslight you. And I'm not saying this person would do that hundred percent, but This is what passive-aggressive people do, is they say, whoa, 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 who said there was a problem? Whoa, you're out of line. When, I think people should just register their feelings on something and have the discipline to not let it get emotional or let it get personal. Because, I mean, there's people out there who, they don't even have it in them to say, I disagree. They'll find some, like, they'll try to worm their way into just, they disagree, but it's like, they're not even comfortable saying they disagree. That's how you end up building resentment towards somebody is like, when you disagree with them, but you're either not allowed, because there's situations where you're not allowed to disagree. Like, you're not allowed necessarily to disagree with your boss, or your parents, or whoever it is, you know, at different points in your life. But like when you're in a situation though and you have the option of disagreeing and it's not going to like get you fired or it's not going to nothing horrible is going to happen but you know people aren't even comfortable with that in my experience cuz I'm not even that comfortable with it even though I make it a point to try to do that I would much rather let somebody know oh I disagree with you but there's no problem there's nothing personal I just disagree with you but then look at the climate we're in you know I didn't want to spin into politics here but like look at the climate we're in where most people now, you know, I was talking about the Northwest, the Pacific Northwest having a reputation for um, for passive aggression. I think everywhere is that way now. I think the age we're living in, the passive aggression has carried over to everywhere in the U.S. It's not regional at this point. And uh, you can see it in politics, where it's like people are very passive aggressive in their personal lives. I mean, we social media people are very passive aggressive as well. Think about the the amount of passive aggression that plays out on social media. Like when people talk about there used to be a term I've never used it. I'm using it here for the sake of journalism. This is this is an academic and journalistic use of this phrase, which is vague vague booking. I was going to say vague posting. Maybe both are used, but vague booking, which I hate hate that term vague booking are you doing a little vague booking oh, i see that you you posted something i'm not entirely sure what it means but you know what i'm all for i'm all for people doing a little bit of vague booking that got really big a few years ago because the idea i mean that's as passive aggressive as you get talking about people probably people who are going to read this And airing out your grievances about them in a way that makes it clear you have grievances against somebody. 
but without you ever stating who exactly it is. And probably not addressing it with that person either. Don't you just hate it when people... I mean, it's like if you lived with your roommates and you were to vague book and say, like, don't you just hate it when people you live with leave all their dishes in the sink? I mean, that's even a little more aggressive. But uh, there, there's, you know, a million different ways to do it. And I think people get addicted to it. I think it becomes a habit to do that, like anything, I guess. But the vague booking thing is a great example of people in general just becoming very passive-aggressive. Like, it's one thing to talk about something in nonspecific terms out of respect. Like, oh, here's something that's interesting to me or worth talking about. I mean, I'm guilty of doing that on here. Where, like, I'll talk about people I know, but kind of... uh, make them into more of a composite or a, uh, you know, just change their identity, not, not, not even change their identity, but omit specifics. Because I don't want this just to be me gossiping about people. Like, I already have enough guilt about talking about people I know on here. But, uh, you know, I think there's a form of, of vague booking that's kind of that, where it's just like, I'm going to change the names and identities to protect the innocent, but I want to talk about this. But there's a whole other form, though, that's like, it's meant to be provocative. It's meant for the the person who you're targeting to read that. God, the phone's ringing. Spam call from Loon Lake. Loon Lake, L-O-O-N. I'm, I'm in Loon Lake. This is Loon Lake. But yeah, uh, with passive aggression... I don't, I don't remember what direction I was going on there, but, uh, with it, you know, it's, it's like a temptation when someone acts that way to you, it's tempting you to react, but they have plausible deniability. They can act like you're the crazy one or you're imagining things. And I've been passive aggressive myself. Like I think about living with a girlfriend many years ago. And, you know, she was overall a very clean person, probably cleaner than me in a lot of ways. But her one tick, her one little tick was leaving piles of laundry on the bedroom floor. And I don't see, I don't even remember if it was dirty laundry or just like clean laundry she hadn't hung up. I don't remember what it even was because it was none of my business initially. Like we all have our thing that we do. And uh, she would leave piles of laundry on the bedroom floor, clothes and stuff. And I didn't really think about it because it was just a small pile. But then over time, like a year or two later, I started to notice like how freaking big it was. It, It was turning into like an igloo and like an igloo of clothing. It was like turning into a little hut, like a ball. And it was taking up so much of the floor And I think we talked about it. Like, I don't remember what was said, but I think... Because she was really defensive about it, too. And I didn't even know how to bring it up. But she was very defensive about it. Like, I think at one point I was like, oh, you know, uh, we really got to get that stuff off the floor. She was like, I know. (laughs) It was clearly, like, a sensitive topic. Like, I was telling her to do something. And uh, I don't know. It was just her tick. Like, for whatever reason, like, she threw, she would throw her clothes on the floor. Then that became the spot where you throw clothes. And next thing you know, it's just this huge mound of clothes. Like, it was seriously huge. And so I think I'd kind of tried to broach the topic, and it, it was awkward and weird. And then so finally one day I was home alone in the apartment, and I walked by the big pile. And I think it was at an all-time big, an all-time uh, high And I was just like, fuck this. And so I just picked it all up in mass and I just dumped it all on the bed because I was like, she's going to get home from work and she's going to see it on the bed and have to do something. Like she can't just keep ignoring it on the floor and adding to it. Like now it's on the bed and you can't even get under the covers with the amount of shit that's on it. Like there's so much stuff. There's so many clothes. Like you can't even sleep under that. So it's like she's going to have to do something. And of course she got home and was really upset. You know, because I mean, that wasn't the right way to do it. I mean, it was passive aggressive. Like she's going to get home from work and just see that I put all the clothes on the bed. 
Like it's not me saying, hey, we really have to do something about that today. I really need you to do something with the clothes. It's just, here's the clothes. Oh, did I, did I do that? It's like some Urkel thing. It's like, why are the clothes on the bed now? I don't know. Oh, I just put them there. That, that's, that, it was me being passive aggressive. It was my way of saying like, I'm just going to put all the clothes on the bed and she's just going to know. But uh, there's things like that. And you know what? She had a right to be kind of mad. Like, even though at that point I didn't know what else to do, because it seemed like it was going to be a problem just to talk about the clothes at all, she had a right to be mad about that. Coming home from work and I just dumped all these clothes on the bed, you know, without saying anything, acting like she should just know what that means. She had a right to be mad. But, uh, you know, the funny thing about dealing with this stuff is that it really does put you to the test spiritually. Like, for example, when I woke up today and I saw that this guy had added some fuel to the fire as far as this recent trend toward passive aggression... I wanted to say something. I wanted to say something passive aggressive myself because that's a thing. It's not just that like when someone's passive aggressive to you, it sometimes causes you to like confront it and then they're like, whoa, what are you, what are you so angry about? You're, what are you so getting all crazy about? You know, it's not just that that happens. Like because you don't want to do that, because we don't want to respond to passive aggression, which is full on aggression because we know that we'll look bad. We have a tendency to fight fire with fire. So when someone's passive aggressive to you, you can very easily start doing that back to them because that's that way, like you, you never get accused of being full on aggressive. Like you won't get accused of firing the first shot, but you can kind of subtly get back at them. And that's the worst situation to be in. That is the absolute worst situation to be in where now your relationship to some with somebody involves constant passive aggression from two sides that's the absolute worst and relationship romantic relationships get that way all the time friendships get that way where you start to realize that you're both just doing passive aggressive things to each other all the time nobody does anything about it you wonder why you're even interacting anymore you wonder why you're even doing this anymore it's one thing if it's your family or somebody you can't avoid but there's a lot of voluntary situations that end up in this like mutual passive aggression nightmare swamp. And that's because it's so attractive to respond to passive aggression with passive aggression. Um, and that's, you know, my first impulse this morning when I saw this guy was doing that was was to respond in kind. Or just, you know, you know my first, actually my first impulse was to say, Sounds like you don't want my information. Ha ha. Like, it was to basically call attention to, like, what's being communicated to me, which is, like, sounds to me like you just don't want me to contribute. But I wouldn't say it that way. Just, like, sounds like you're not looking for my for that information, okay? Um, but the other thought I had was to, like, actually do the same thing back. Like, find a way of doing the same thing back. But you never want to do that. You never want to start doing that. You don't want to get stuck in that. You don't want that to be part of the dynamic. Instead, I thought about it and I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to say nothing. I'm going to say nothing. But you know, what's funny is that this is such a minor thing too. Such a minor little thing. But it's, it's kind of eaten away at me today. And the reason why it is eaten away at me is because I, I really want to say something. I really want to say something back to call attention to it. And so there's this thing, like somewhere in my stomach, I'm just like, I haven't said anything. But you know what? This is good. Because instead, I'm taking a look at the situation and I'm going, interesting. Huh. This is interesting to see this play out, to see somebody act this way and to let it go. You know, there's no reason, it's not serious enough to 
for me to have a problem with this person. But again, it's like you see a different side of people when you disagree with them. And some people you end up better friends after a disagreement. Some people, things stay the same, but you just know that disagreement isn't... uh, You just know that that disagreement, like, shined a light on something. It might not change how you interact with that person, but it's just having that disagreement shined a light on something that you didn't see before. But... uh, the funny part about it to me, and I have found the humor in this, is how much I want to say something. And that's what sucks us all in. And, the, and so much of that is ego. It's really, I mean, the entire thing is ego. I can actually feel my ego getting drawn into this exchange. And my ego is telling me, my ego is telling me, Lego my ego. Now, my, my ego is telling me, you should say something. You should say something. Sounds like, the, sounds like this guy's making a cheap shot at you. You should say something. But letting go of that, having the discipline to not be ruled by my ego in this, in this situation, <laughs> I'm still ruled by it. And just about every other one. But uh, to not be ruled by it in this situation and just saying, I'm just going to let it go and, and just let that, let that part of me that wants to address the situation, let that just kind of churn and bounce around inside of me. See what that turns into. Not res- and not letting it turn into resentment. Because the problem is when you don't address something, like if somebody's disrespectful toward you, and you don't address it, you probably start resenting or hating that person, disliking them at least. That's what a lot of us do with bosses. Like in situations where you're not allowed to, like if a boss is disrespectful to you, or you feel they're disrespectful to you, you're not allowed to confront it. Very rarely are you allowed to confront that the way you want to. And so what do you do? Well, you just end up hating them. You end up resenting them. That's why a lot of people hate their bosses. Like they feel their boss doesn't respect them or treats them disrespectfully. And they can't do anything about it. So they hate them. They resent them. At the very least, they vent about them. But with people that you know in other situations, you, know, you have to, I mean, I don't think that's good to do even at work. At work, it's really hard to not resent a boss who's disrespectful to you. I think you inevitably end up resenting that. It's hard not to. But with other people you know, where you're not, the power dynamic isn't like that. You really do have an option whether or not to resent something. Somebody's disrespectful toward you. And, I, and you aren't going to address it. Well, that's a good recipe for resentment. But if you decide not to be resentful, if you make the decision to not be resentful, that's where that turns into something else. You might feel like you're stifling something. Like You might be like, God damn it, I want to say something. I want to call this person out. I want to, I want to at least address the issue. But if you don't do that, but you also don't let you don't fill that void with negativity. You don't fill that void with resentment. That can actually become something else. Like that can contribute to your spiritual growth. And I've had to learn this. I wouldn't say I'm some expert in it, but it's something I've learned. This isn't my first time with this sort of thing where over the last five or six years, I would say definitely the last five, I still feel myself like being pissed at somebody. I still feel myself being upset with somebody. I might not even like them. I don't like everybody. But I tell myself, I'm like, I'm not going to let that turn into contempt for them. And this goes just for strangers, too. It, goes to, it really goes down to respect. Because I've realized that's the most important thing to me. Like, I don't care about being liked or disliked. 
I care about being respected. That's all I care about. I do not care about whether somebody likes me or not. I do want people to respect me. And the idea of not being respected makes my skin fucking crawl. I understand not everybody's going to respect me, but I really don't like the idea of someone not respecting me. They can dislike me. They can hate me. But disrespect is something else. And usually what you deal with from strangers is just disrespect. Like they don't know you well enough to hate you or dislike you. Like when a stranger is rude to you, it's never because they dislike you. It's because they just don't respect you. They don't know you. And it's very easy to then hold them in contempt or hate them. But, you you know, you should never be a doormat for people. But you can't, like when somebody does something disrespectful, you can make a decision right then and there to not let it go any further. To just laugh it off. Because uh, respect is a very abstract idea. You know, it's something we all seem to understand. We all have a, the concept of it. It's, but it, it's very hard to define. And we feel disrespected. We don't always know when we're feeling respected. I mean, that's, it's the negativity bias. Like we're, when you feel disrespected, you know it. But it's only, in, it's only very special circumstances that you feel fully respected and honored. But with the disrespect, it's something you just intuitively feel. And there's, there's obvious forms of it, you know, where it's like somebody cutting in front of you in line. Somebody's stealing a parking place that you're about to park in. Crimes against you. But like, there's obvious examples of disrespect. But it manages to be the people, and, and those are what strangers do. Like when strangers disrespect you, it's more obvious. But the unfortunate thing about being close to people is they will disrespect you in far more subtle ways. But you also have to be careful not to react to that. You also have to not let yourself get sucked into the sucked in personally to that either. And I do think you experience some sort of I do think that it's some form of alchemy where it's like you take that feeling of like, oh shit, somebody disrespected me and I want to address it. I want to do something with it. I want to do something with that, whether it's call the person out or whether it's like secretly hate them forever. I want to do something with this feeling. But when you don't do that, when you don't do what's easiest, like when you don't do what your ego is pushing you to do with it, if you instead just kind of let it like bounce around and it will bounce around, you know, it's not going to feel good. But when you feel that in your stomachs telling you to do something, you just let it ricochet around a little bit. I do think that some sort of alchemy happens or that turns into some sort of spiritual growth. It does kind of bloom into something in my experience. I wish I could explain it another way. I mean, this sounds like cheesy New Age talk, but, you know, they're right some of the time, too. And I think they're right about this. And I think part of living a life where you're more likely to be respected than you are disrespected comes from not reacting emotionally when people do disrespect you. I think people will respect you more if you're not somebody who gives in every time that somebody does something or fucks with you. Because the problem is, too, when you get into that way of thinking, like when you notice that one person is disrespectful or one person is passive aggressive, you start getting paranoid. You start seeing it all kinds of places. And as I've said before, you know, the worst conspiracy theories in the world are the personal ones that we create about our own lives. You know, 
people want to talk about conspiracy theories all the time. Like so many otherwise normal people in society have all of these conspiracy theories about like what people in their life are doing to them and why, and they believe it. And sometimes it might be true, like any conspiracy theory, but you have these people who are going through their lives and they are seeing Machiavellian plots. They are seeing conspiracies between everyone in the, they think everyone who loves them secretly hates them and is conspiring against them. And so they, they get into that way of thinking and that becomes, you know, the world is conspiring against me. Like when you feel like everybody you know is conspiring against you, that's pretty much the entire world. Now the world's conspiring against you. The universe is conspiring against you. When you hit a string of red lights in traffic, it's bec- it's it's for a reason. It's because the conspiracy against you is, has been in full effect that day. So that's one of the reasons not to let yourself go there. Because it really is this slippery slope. You know, it's incredible how paranoid people actually are. You know, we think of paranoia as like people who are scared of like these external things, things that are external to their individual life. Like you're scared of the government or the CIA or the FBI or so-and-so. But it's like people are so paranoid about the people in their immediate life. And just like I started this out by saying, like, it seems like the people who complain about passive aggression the most are often the most passive aggressive people. You could call that projection. You could call it whatever you want. I do think it's true. And it's true in the same way that like somebody who sees everyone around them conspiring all the time, someone who thinks that the people in their life are conspiring against them. That's the same person who's conspiring against the people in their life. You know, it, it's, it just ends up working out that way. But, uh, yeah, the problem with passive aggression, like the, the reason why it's... Um, the reason why it does way more damage than you would even expect is because it plays on people's goodwill. Like I, like I was saying, like when I notice someone acting that way toward me, I give them the benefit of the doubt multiple times. Like I would say I give them three tries. Three separate tries. To be like, okay, is there something going on here? Maybe not. Maybe they're just in a bad mood. Maybe something's going on. Happens again, hmm. Happens a third time, well now all bets are off. If it happens again, now I know this is that person's M.O. Um, But yeah, so it plays on people's goodwill. Because you never actually know if that person is angry or resentful because they won't admit it. You end up extending a lot of goodwill toward them. And that's okay, you know, I think <laughs> I think it's better, if you can, to err toward goodwill than just assuming the worst. But it doesn't reflect on passive aggression very well either. Like, the fact that they are... You can only behave that way. You can only get away with being passive aggressive because other people have any goodwill at all. So it really does capitalize on that. And uh, I feel like I had something else to add to that. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of like a it's 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 like a form of uh, it's like a spell. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that depressed people are very passive aggressive. This isn't me attacking depressed people. Are you attacking depressed people? Are you attacking depressed people? Um, no, it's not, it's not an attack on depressed people, but it's like happy people don't behave that way. Like content. I don't like, I don't, I really don't like the framing of happy people, but, uh, let's say content people, people who have a sense of meaning in their lives usually aren't passive aggressive or they at least keep it to a minimum. I think we're all fallen and we're all passive aggressive sometimes, but, uh, you know, I think people who live fairly meaningful lives 
aren't going to be as passive aggressive. I don't think they have the motivation to be. And so when someone is that way, I mean, you can assume there's some sort of hole inside of them. There's some something isn't working. Because it's not a good way to live. So something isn't working. And uh, I've noticed I've known a lot of depressed people. I mean, I'm still feeling pretty depressed, but I, I wouldn't consider myself clinically depressed. I just think that I, I've finally been hit with a spell. Just everything's built up, and you know the dam's broke a little. The dam has broken a little bit, or something. But you know, clinically depressed people, or just depressed people in general. What I have noticed, like dating them, being friends with them, is they're some of the most passive aggressive people. I don't say that to hate on them. I'm just saying that it makes sense. It makes sense that people who are depressed, they don't really have. They're, they're miserable. But they don't really have it in them to explode with anger very often. So it's just going to be this kind of simmering, cold resentment. And it's one of the most difficult parts about having a relationship of any kind with a depressed person is that they are so passive aggressive. And because like that is just a symptom of what is going on with them. It's what do you even do? What do you even do with that? And so, you know, I think we should, <laughs> I think we should talk about this a little more. And I think we should talk about how passive aggressive behavior is kind of a depressive symptom. It is a sign that something is going wrong with somebody. And that's why I also try to extend a little goodwill. That's why I also try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Because I think in many cases, it's beyond their control. I think in many cases, it's just like a an illness that spreads through people, and it does become a currency. It is infectious. Like I was saying, when someone's passive-aggressive to you, you often know better than to be straight-up aggressive back. So what you do is you just start playing their game. I mean, so many things in life involve somebody starting trying to start a game with you that you don't like, but you feel compelled to play, and so you, you end up playing the game they started. You're playing their game. And at that point, you're just lost. So not playing the game of passive aggression, because it is a game. People play it like a game. People do treat it like a game, because it is about getting one over on people. It is about putting somebody in their place. I mean, it's almost like a very boring form of pranking somebody. Like me putting the uh, the clothes on the bed, like my girlfriend's big pile of clothes that I was sick of looking at. Me putting that on the bed. It's almost like a, like a retarded person's prank. It's like, oh, uh, I'm going to move these and put them here to surprise you. You know, it's like playing hide and go seek and like, you know, just like standing in the corner. They're like, you can't see me. Stand, like facing the corner thinking they can't see you. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a very boring form of pranking somebody. Because it's just like, I'm going to subtly fuck with this person. But in a way that they can't call me out for without them looking bad. It's like when someone loses their cool in response to a prank. Like if you prank phone call, like, like when I was a kid and we used to prank phone call a lot of people, we always saw it as a sign of success if the person lost their cool. They were like, if you ever call back here again. Oh my God, I'm, cops are on their way. Cop, I, I dialed star 69, got, you, got your number. The cops are on their way. Cops are on their way to you. Please don't call back. You know, if somebody lost their cool during a prank, you always felt like you won. And that's kind of how passive aggression is, like where it's like it tempts you and it taunts you. But if you lose your cool, they're going to be like, oh, I win. So the best thing to do is not even play that way. And it's so easy to be that way without knowing it. 
It's so easy to be that way without knowing it. But I do think you can control it. I do think you can stop it. Because it's one of those things that just subtly contributes to this climate we're in. Because people are doing it online. People are way more connected to each other's passive aggression than they've ever been. People are, are more aware of it. They have more avenues for it, more channels. So we're exposed right now to a lot more passive aggression than we've ever experienced. I don't know how you measure that, but I believe it. And I, I think that says a lot. I think that tells us a lot about what's going on. The fact that we are exposed to so much of this now, that so many people act out in that way, many without even knowing it. Many without even knowing it. So if you can just stop yourself to say, oh yeah, I'm not going to get anything. I'm not going to feel any better. I'm certainly not going to feel better if I respond to someone else's passive aggression with my own passive aggression. I'm certainly not going to grow as a person. I'm just joining a losing battle. I'm just joining a battle where everybody's going to lose if I do that. So that's what I've been going through today. (laughs) All because of some minor, minor interaction. But it has been a pattern. In my situation, like, I have started to notice a pattern with the way somebody's conducting themselves. And uh, I'm a pattern guy. I'm a pattern guy. I am. I'm a pattern guy. I'll see something once or twice, and I let it register. I think, okay, I'm noticing that. But I don't jump to conclusions. At least I try not to. I notice something once or twice, and then I say, hmm, I'm noticing that. I'm not sure what to do with that information yet. Three or four times, I'm seeing a pattern here. And I would say that informs a lot of my thinking. Patterns inform a lot of my thinking. But the problem is, you don't want to start carrying out that pattern yourself. You don't want to be that person who... Because, I mean, here's the thing. When you have a person in your life who is habitually passive-aggressive, what really sucks about it is you're constantly thinking about whether that's what they're doing or not. Once it's been established, once that pattern has been established in someone's personality, you're now looking for it. You're now waiting for it. Like when they say something, you almost have to think about how they mean it. You become paranoid. The nice thing about somebody who just gets angry, the nice thing about somebody who at least lets you know they're angry is they tell you when that happens or it's obvious So like 90% of the time, that person, you know, there's no problem between you because when there is, they let you know, not in a scary way. They just let you know, oh, hey, you know, I have a problem with that actually. Or I am, I'm actually kind of pissed. And that actually allows you to trust them the rest of the time because now, you know, okay, when this person's upset, There's no question about it. I know this person is upset. But when it's a passive-aggressive person, you never get those moments of clarity, or you rarely do, where they're just like, oh, by the way, I'm upset with you. I'm bothered by this. Instead, it comes out in this slow-burning, subliminal way that actually ends up making you question like what that person means. It makes you question like a lot of what that person says to you, even when they don't mean anything. Even when they don't mean anything by it, you kind of think about whether there's a, like a, a, a tiny little barb attached to it. Oh, is there something else? Is there another shoe to this? Does this person mean something by that? Whereas somebody who just tells you when they're upset, like you're not sitting around thinking like there's an ulterior motive to everything else they do. There's not some hidden message. But being able to control your anger in such a way that it doesn't come out emotionally, being able to controlling your anger in such a way that it doesn't come out in the form of aggression, but simply being able to communicate that, that seems to be the trick to me. The trick seems to be 
acknowledging that you're, I sound like a therapist, acknowledging that you're angry, but not being at the mercy of your anger. That's the sweet spot. Not denying your anger, not denying the fact that you're mad, admitting that you're mad, but not letting that drag you into a situation that's beyond your control. That seems to be the best you could do because passive aggression doesn't work. And we all know violent outbursts don't work. But there seems to be a sweet spot in this. And it seems to involve self-control because self-control doesn't mean pushing away emotions that are natural to you. A self, someone who has self-control, that doesn't mean they never get angry. That doesn't mean they never get mad or upset about something. No, self-control is when you get mad how you handle that. It's not never getting mad. It's when these things inevitably happen, it's how you control them. That is self-control. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. So take.